Hello and welcome to another edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Axon was started almost 100 years ago out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. It's that same passion that drives them today. With a vision for a better experience for both farmer and dealer, they set out to create a better way to move more iron. When you partner with Axon, you get immediate access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. Axon carries all major brands and sizes of tires, wheels, and tracks. From custom colors and sizes to fully customized wheels, you can have the solution for virtually any problem today's farmer is trying to solve. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 208. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. For more information, Go to axontire.com. Well, this week, Aaron Fennell and I are back together again, and we were going to talk about a number of things, but the one thing we kept coming back to the most was tillage. Tillage. And oddly enough, because tillage is, the markets now are good enough that guys are looking at their tillage equipment and saying, we've rebuilt that thing twice now, we've put two sets of discs on it, we've done this, we've done that, I think it's time for a new one. And a lot of technologies come along the way in the last four or five years since they've had their last purchase of a whether maybe just be a disc or something like that but now they're starting to look at vertical tillage and high-speed discs and this that and the other thing so we thought we would go back in time a little bit here and discuss tillage fads tillage fads Woo! Woo! bringing a hardcore here <laughs> all right so probably the, the where should we start should we go Start. In 1837, <laughs> a man by the name of John Deere invented the self-scouring plow and mass-produced it. Mass-produced it, yeah. And then fast forward. And then he said, I will not put my name on a product which does not have the best of me in it. So Aaron and I were going to discuss uh, tillage fads today. And we talked about that a lot on uh, what we see happening in, in the marketplace. And there has been a fair amount of tillage that has moved around here of late. So I guess as you take a look, let's just start with what we see in the marketplace right now. Okay. So right now as we look out, used, used tillage pieces and assorted things that go along with that, what what are some of the trend lines you see developing right now? Probably the number one thing that everybody's all gaga about is, <clears throat> of course, the high-speed disc, which or, is the current fad uh-huh. trend however you want to say it. Guys have a lot of interest in that. However, they're very expensive, and they take a boatload of horsepower to pull at the proper speed for them to work right. So there's a lot more want than there is sales at this point. That's true. I could see that being a super hot thing two, three years, get more and more used ones out there. That's that's by far number one. Um, VT's number two, and been number one or two for ten years. Yeah, probably ten yeah. years. Yep. You know, once once 
everybody jumped on, let's say the the Turbo Till or yeah. like the McFarland Real Disc. Everybody jumped on those right away. Of course, they were the first ones on the market. As other people started making VTs or a version of the VT, they gained a lot more popularity. You know, the the Krauss Accelerator, the Landall, hugely, hugely popular units. The John Deere 26, what, 2633 was very popular. Now replaced by the 2660, which is extremely popular. Right. Um, we've had, you know, from large multi-unit guys, we've had a couple of those traded in this year and did not live <clears throat> long at all. So, you know, and, and, you, and you see things. You, what, as we're talking about fads and trends and whatnot, you start with that. We'll start with the turbo tail. Okay. The godfather of vertical <clears throat> tailage. Right. We'll just go with that. And it was straight coulters and a straight line offset right okay then we get into oh well you can take a disc and put you know ultra low concavity blades on it and oh it's like a vt and then you can go or you can put those same blades on there and it's a vt and then you come with the okay, so then the the turbo till becomes the turbo max, and you can adjust gang angles, and then you can adjust on the Kraus, land all everybody. You can deer, you can adjust gang angles, you can do whatever you want. You can put about five different finishing attachments on there. So, just in that ten years, there's been a boatload of changes to that one to that product, one product yeah. and variations of it. You know, <clears throat> yep. even. You go from a 10-year-old turbo tail to what you can get now, vastly different machine. Plus, their bets come along. You know, right. look, at, look at the Deer 2633 versus the 2660. Way different machine. Right. Driving down the road, oh, yeah, that's either a disc or a VT, you know. Right. As yeah. you're 70 mile an hour down the highway, you really can't tell half the time. Yeah. The way the only way I can even tell on a Landall is if it's got the basket on the back. So if you're a guy who has a Landall right. disc with a basket, yeah. I probably think it's VT as right. I drive by. Yeah. But that one segment has done so much. Same with the high speeds. Right. You know, a couple two three years ago, they started showing up, and you see a lot of three points because it takes a shitload of power to pull a three point. Right. And then you start seeing the big ones, and then you've got your baskets, or and then you got two different kinds of baskets or solid tire, and you can go notched, notched and smooth, all smooth. I mean, you can just do anything with those for what you want to do, you know. Mm-hmm. And we we come from a time, say ten years before that, where the one pass finisher was like the hot shit right yep. you know the 2310 deer the yep. 64 33 and 34 sunflower right. and you know that was like ooh, look at that look at that yep <clears throat> so for the longest time tillage has gone through this phase of you know let's go all the way back when you would go you know you had a oxen well not quite that far a yoke of oxen <laughs> <laughs> you would you would You'd have multiple passes during your tillage thing. You know, you had to either you might have a mold board ply you come in there with, and then you come back in with a finishing disc and finish it down, and then you cultivated it, and then you just da 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 da. You might have four or five passes 
in your tillage situation, your tillage practices from the time you did your initial breaking of the ground for the for the planting season until you got seedbed prep good enough to plant on, right? Now, it is we're trying to make tillage to be as limited many passes as possible, right? And <clears throat> unless you're breaking out new ground and you're just doing the same thing over and over again, for the most part, whether it be the single pass finish like you talked about right. or the conventional disc that that were there in like the late 90s early 2000s um, or if you're going into uh, the vertical tillage type of situation whatever it might be with the no-till kind of practices that we saw really start to come out of the the, two, the early 2000s and, and moving through there that the, the minimal till and no-till practices how they right. came into play now we're seeing more tillage work done in year over year than we have in the, probably the past 10 years just because of weed control those kind of things we're starting to see some roundup resistant weeds and those kind of things but bringing in these various um tillage practices kind of i wouldn't really call them old school tillage practices because they never really went away you just use a different piece of equipment year over year yeah to, to do the exact same thing right for the right. most part so i think that's where you know kind of fast forward where we're at today when you start looking at the high speed disc and what it is and how it kind of works is it's it's not a conventional disc. It's not a vertical tilt disc, but it's like something in between. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And But it gives you that capability to go, you know, 10 miles an hour across the field. Um, but to do that, where growing up in this business, when I first started doing this, a disc was 10 for every 10 feet, or for every one foot, it was 10 horsepower. Yeah, 7 right? to 10. 7 to 10 horse. So if you had a 30-foot disc and you had 300 horsepower tractor, you're good to go. That same 30-foot disc in the high-speed thing is like a 600 horsepower tractor Five. now. You know what I mean? It's So you have the horsepower requirements that we're seeing on these machines, whether it's tillage practices or whether it is um, planning practices or whatever it is, the horsepower requirements are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Not so much because of the load they're carrying, as but also the hydraulics that they have to use to operate some of this stuff. So the more we sit back and take a look at all these these trends and these fads and as they come along, the one thing that's been common about all these things is that they require more and more horsepower and more and more hydraulic power as these machines go into the future so oh absolutely it was and you got to look at you're pulling your high speed 30 footer 10 mile an hour right you're pulling your disc at five twice as fast twice the power basically i mean that's a way you can look at it and the the biggest thing you you hit on there's there's two huge things in in the tillage world you hit on one of them the resistant wheat the other is you have to do something with that residue. Right. And the more traits that we enhance those plants with, GMOs, as we right. stack traits and do this, those corn stalks do not decompose. Right. There's nothing biodegradable about them, you know? Right. You can go out there. We had corn out here three years ago, and there's a piece of stock that is rock hard and bright yellow, and like, my God, you know. I hope, sure as hell, sure as hell, hope this field didn't blow over because that'd be a travesty. Right. 
And the only way you can the only way you can get rid of that residue timely. I mean, obviously, plenty of guys know till they're all doing it with all GMOs. You have to, or don't have to, but it certainly works better with GMO yeah, crops. Definitely a plus. Um, but to get effective residue breakdown, you have to get that residue. You don't want to plow it under because then you get no microbial action out of it. You get it in that two to four inches where you still get air down into right. the soil and yep. your microbial action starts breaking that down. Organic matter in your soil goes up. Wonderful. No-till does the same thing. It just takes a lot longer. Right. You know, I have a buddy who's no-till, well, 42. He's farmed 20 years, and he's no-tilled since day one, and I always ask him. I said, so are you some year going to plant in dirt again or just keep <laughs> farming in residue? <laughs> he gets so pissed off. He's like, there's dirt. You just move the residue out of the way, and it saves moisture, And which he's right, but there's... There, I know plenty of guys who are diehard no-till, but that tillage equipment is still on the place because sometimes you just have to. Yeah. What harvest? What point? You know, yeah. you can you can have a beautiful no-till field, and you have a wet harvest. Get out the chisel, man. Right. Yeah. That that I had a guy that would tell me that he was a no-till farmer except for every fifth year, and he would go back in and. Not not like aggressively till up the ground by any means, but he would go back in with rippers and those kind of things and uh, get hard pans out and those kind of things that were in the in the way. So there's there's a plenty of a thing and I think one two one other big thing that we look at at what's going on in the tillage world, the the compaction issue. Absolutely. Is, is a big thing. So tillage is another thing that's always kind of evolving around what the latest thing about compaction is, right? Are you what, what? What are you trying to accomplish there? How much are you trying to get away from whatever it is that you're doing? And well, and, and on the compaction point, it's day to day. Right. The, on you could go to a meeting on Monday and oh, don't till it compacts the ground. You go to a meeting on Wednesday, you have to till to break up compaction. You know, and and it's. The only thing that's tillage-wise that's going to do anything for compaction is a ripper. Right. Which guys probably don't do enough because it's monotonous, takes hell of a lot of fuel, you bust a ripper up because your ground's so damn hard. And in our region, dear God, you don't dare rip dry land unless you know there's a two-inch rain coming tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Exactly so, right. you know... Here's th this is tillage related, so I'm not getting too far off the reservation. Your autonomous tractor thing, okay. Ripping could be the job to turn that into commonplace because, oh, because it's it yeah. takes so much horsepower to pull a ripper of right. any size, right? And it's you know you take your biggest disc rippers there are, and they're like 22 foot, right? Well, Judas Priest, man, and you got how many thousands of acres that you should rip right. every other year, every three years? Yeah. Autonomous tractor. Yeah. No. You don't have yes. to sit there yeah. and babysit it. It's not a bad idea. 
You can drive by every couple hours and be like, oh, shit. He's got one shank in the ground because we lost three shear bolts. <laughs> yeah. There's but that a, would be that would be an awesome thing for him. Would be a There's a and you you know you on the ag Twitter guys hate tillage. Oh my god, it's so boring. I hate this. I personally am enough of a flunky that my favorite things on the farm are grain cart and tillage. Holy shit! I would make one hell of a twelve year old child. I like well, discing and I like running child. the grain cart. Well, there you go. So nothing. Yeah, that would it's be hard to statement. screw things up if you're running the grain cart or doing tillage. Other than my dad's story about how he was supposed to plow square, mm-hmm. and by the end of the day, he had it. He had that whole square quarter in a round circle when he was plowing. <sighs> so I think tillage has has definitely come a long ways, and it's done a lot of different things. But I guess as you look at how it applies to what we see happening with current agronomic trends, is that more and more of our tillage practices are going back to a I don't know no-till still there still it's definitely still there it hasn't gone anywhere but you're seeing more and more minimal till creep into the market yeah uh, m- minimum till you know the, the, there are still plenty of guys that turn it black right but not a lot yeah um my guess would be minimum till is probably number one between the no-tillers and the black ground guys yeah i would say men is probably the number one practice nationwide um i can remember when the turbo tills first came out and everybody that would call you on them wanted to trade their disc and the first thing you told them is that you do not trade your disc on this your disc still has a purpose this is different And that's the world we're in, you know. Very rarely, just like I said before, those those no-till guys, no matter how die-hard they are, they got a disc. They got a disc somewhere, and it's halfway field worthy, you know. And that that's probably the number one tool in my mind that is not ever going away all the way. Yeah, no way. Agreed. Thing about tillage too, though, and with that disc thing being in, in, in mind, is that these fads are like a they're like a five year fad. Yeah, and then but then they just kind of go back and start at the beginning of the line again, and just kind of trickle back through all that stuff. I mean, before too long. Welcome to twenty twenty five. We've come out with a whole new line of plows. <laughs> that's the that's the crazy part about that is that the the idea of how those those trend lines that we see develop in, in tillage. They're not. They're they're very short lived. They're like a. It's almost like a like a YouTube yeah. star. You know, they got about they got about two million hits worth of worth of greatness, and then they kind of vanish into into the. Well, and it's not the, so much that they vanish. But they just kind of. There's something else that comes they're, up. Yeah, they're they're not. They still exist. There's still guys buying them, oh, doing yeah. it, loving it, but they're not the thing anymore. Yeah. You like right. VTs. VTs are kind of not the thing right now. Right. Sell a shitload of them. Yeah. Everybody's got one, yeah. but they're not the thing. Yeah. The thing is the high speed. I mean, they still make, for that to that very same point, you can still buy a brand new moldboard plow. Absolutely. Several brands. You know, and you got the, the trip plows. You still buy those. I mean, you can buy all those kind of things. Mulch finishers. You can buy, I mean, you name it. If it's ever been a tillage piece of of some Coulter chisels. Coulter chisels, yeah. Hugely popular yeah. in the eighties. 
Yeah. Nobody has one anymore. We yeah. get one traded in like every three years. Yeah. But that guy that has one loves a son of a bitch, and yeah. it's a big one, and he uses it. And I mean, he's like the only guy that run that's running one. You know, so forty I, years ago, forty guys were running one. Yeah. You know. So even like now, like here's the thing that kind of vanished from it, and then kind of kind of pops in and out from time to time. It all depends on weed pressure, right? What, what your roundup weed pressure looks like. And the the uh, row crop cultivator, it pops in and out of yeah of of fads. You know what I mean? Like it'll be here. We had one the other day where guys like I want a brand new, you know, row crop cultivator. And I was like, for what? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's one of those things where you know, it, 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 there's there's a specific time and a specific place for these things, whether or not they're they're a fad or not, and what that looks like is really they never go away totally. Like no one's like scoffing at the idea of using a conventional disc anymore, right? Because people still do it. Because we trade them in all the time. We still get we still sell them. You know those kind of things. But they're just they're not as widely popular as they were ten years ago. Right. Yep. Good stuff. All right. Well, Aaron, this brings us to my my personal favorite part of the entire Moving Iron podcast is when Aaron Fennell gives us his, what is it called? The Aaron Fennell Deal of the Week. Bringing it. Well, since we flew our disc flag high and proud. That's right. We'll pull up a, for this week's special, 2014 Sunflower 1436 33-foot disc. Word. It's got all your typical sunflower features on it. UHMW wear points everywhere. Gauge or uh, swivel gauge wheels on the wings. Hydraulic level. Twenty-four inch blades. Eight and three quarter inch spacing front and rear. Disc is absolutely gorgeous. Perfect. Excellent shape. Thirty-four nine. Get out of here for real. No doubt about it. Almost. Almost. Almost three thousand dollars a foot. So getting close. Almost getting close. Getting close. Well, Aaron, plenty of good stuff going on out there. What are what's what's the one thing right now with the with the market the way it is right now? What's the one thing that you're paying attention to? Um, hoping guys come by seven eighties, seven eighty combines. There you go. There you go. I would I would echo that to some extent. I think that there is a plenty of tractor activity. Which seems to be one of the first things guys update on a when money gets right. Corn's up a know, penny. Get a tractor. Get a tractor. <laughs> yeah. Corn's yeah. up eight bucks. Well, maybe we'll trade planters. <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, plenty of tractor activity out there going on. Lots of lots of stuff out there. We're starting to see more and more uh, of that late model low iron equipment trickling into the marketplace. It's starting to seeing a lot of it trickle out too. Yeah. It's starting to see an incremental. Inventories are starting to get there, but they're still in short supply, so don't take this. Just go down to your local place and, and stare at one for a couple weeks before you decide to do something with it because more than likely it'll be gone. Yeah, I was going to say the guy will have to find something to do because he won't have two whole weeks to yeah, stare at it. He won't. So I think there's an opportunity there. The one thing that I'm paying attention to that I think is, is uh, really kind of starting to I see some things happening, and it's 
Is it Gators? I heard on the podcast on a podcast once no. that Gator the gate you got to pay attention to that Gator market. No, that was unless we're talking about like Gators in like Louisiana, Alla, Alla, <laughs> Alla Gator. But, no, but there's but there's there's an opportunity I think when I start seeing looking at cornheads. Yeah, I've been noticing a lot of movement in in, in just the head market in general, whether it's draper heads or cornheads. But for whatever reason, cornheads right now seem to be very popular very popular thing and i don't know if that's anticipation obviously coming into what we see happening again i think it goes back to there's a lot of guys that have ran the same corn head for seven years yeah you know so they're looking at upgrading that that head and doing those kind of things so i guess as i pay attention to market corn heads are the one thing that are sticking out to me as as a as they've gone have gained some momentum yeah i would agree and then Draper heads too. That's another thing that I've been watching. I get that's soybean related, corn related, obviously. Right. You know, so it's going to be there. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, this uh, the March uh, crop intentions report when it comes out. What that looks like. That's going to have a big spur. It, it's really six. I mean, I think year over year that that has always been wrong. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, they think they're going to have ninety three and a half million acres of corn, and it's not right. It's something else, you know. But the one thing about this year that will be interesting is to watch um, what happens in the South and how that affects the corn market, because cotton right now is like ninety three cents or ninety two cents or something like that, and that that's going to be a big driver in a lot of these folks' minds. Instead of going away from cotton, selling off all their pickers and everything else. And coming back in and trying to get combines, they're like, I don't know, we'll just do this. We'll just plant more cotton, right? And so I think that is going to be a big, a big driver, especially when it comes to how that affects the combine market. And that I don't think it's going to be. I think it's going to like sink the combine market by any means. But I think it's going to have maybe some guys that are on the fence right now of, of what am I, what am I doing? What kind of machine? What kind of harvesting machine do I need to get? There's going to be more and more. Um, more and more options for guys when you start looking at am I getting a, a combine and, and how many combines hit the marketplace right so combine marketplace continues to be the just like every year the one thing you gotta pay attention to in the used marketplace right yep. year in year out so every damn day it's the <laughs> used combines god love them alright well I have uh kind of kicked around that idea in my head for a while about the tillage trends thing so anything else you want to add to that here before we shut down i think that's it man okay all right well folks want to get that super awesome sweet deal of the day or deal of the week what's the best way to do that uh, i'm fairly active on the twitterverse yeah. at aa ron fintail or uh call me text me 308-760-1193 right on man and you can find me on facebook twitter and instagram that's where you're going to find all the stuff that I post for the Moving Iron Podcast. Or you can just go to movingironllc.com. You'll find the blog post. You'll find the uh, podcast. You'll find um, what Aaron Fennel looks like. And you'll find out what I look like and all our backgrounds, what that, what those look like. And all the contributors of the podcast, whether it's Markets or, or Jacqueline uh, Kramowski's news, you know, whatever that is, you'll find all that information there. But more importantly, you find all the information for the Moving Iron Summit coming up in Nashville, Tennessee, September 15th to the 17th. And that's a great place to uh, 
get some great information for some great speakers, which, again, you can find all that on movingironllc.com. Or if you just want to come and, and put a face to a name, it's a great place to do it. Network City. Right on. So if you're a dealer of any color and you're interested in doing that, give me a shout here at uh, Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com or just go to movingironllc.com. And you can go there and register for the uh, for the meeting or shoot me an email from, from the website there. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Aaron Fennell. Let's go with some iron, folks. Out. You want to have a meaningful competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. Let Axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers. Axon has leveraged years of experience to create a streamlined process that gives you a proven path to help today's grower and sell more equipment. The roots of their organization go back almost 100 years to the invention of the rubber tractor tire. Supporting agriculture is the number one driver of Axon from product development through sales and service. To find more or become an Axon dealer, head over to axontire.com. in the 21st century. Hard-working people working hard for you and me Moving higher time and time again Through the years you'll find us here